Hey listeners, welcome to SphereCast, a podcast all about technology, technology advice, technology inspiration, and how real entrepreneurs have used technology to build their businesses from the ground up. If you're wondering how technology can support your business goals, rest assured, our guests have been there and done that. In 1915, Robert Frost told the world about his two roads, the two roads that were diverged in that yellow wood, and how the journeyman made the important decision to take that less traveled option. Entrepreneurship is one of those less traveled roads, and a great many people choose it, but often the most difficult part of that road lies at the very beginning, at that choice, a choice which is full of inherent risk. Hey, Luke here for another week of Spearcast, and this week Sani and I speak with Iris Crammy co-founder at Renoon, the smartest tool for conscious fashion shoppers. Founded in Feb 2020, Renoon is the first global app that sources items from across the internet and assigns sustainability attributes to them. Ultimately, the platform empowers consumers to realize their sustainable lifestyles and values when shopping fashion. Since its founding in just over a year ago, it has processed over 3 million products and has attracted the attention of some of top fashion industry veterans. Iris is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. In addition to sitting at the helm of a rapidly growing startup, she recently breached the Forbes Italia under 30 list of 2021. However, Iris would be the first to tell you that the road of entrepreneurship is one filled with challenges. But the hardest challenge? Just taking the first step. On the podcast, Iris shares her vision for Renoon, discusses the difficulties of entrepreneurship, and most notably, mustering up the courage to start. So without further ado, here's our interview with Iris Crammy. Hello, everyone. This is Senya with Spearcast, and today we're thrilled to host on our Spearcast show, Iris Crammy. Hi, Iris. Hi, thanks for having me. I would like to start with an icebreaker. Could you share with our audience something interesting about yourself that most people perhaps don't know and cannot find on any social media, including LinkedIn? Well, it's actually a social media, so probably still people can't find it because I'm under another name. But during um, my university days, I fell in love with uh, yoga. And so I started a YouTube channel with yoga, which actually had more than 10 million views. Uh, this year because also due to COVID and a lot of people were doing yoga at home. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit the funny story from my side, which also a little bit, it's still linked with what I'm doing today because it's also part of um, a conscious lifestyle that I had started. And, um, but yeah, definitely not something that a lot of people know. That's amazing. Are you professionally trained to be a yogi? Do you go through a yeah. training? Yeah, exactly. So I had this uh, passion of mine for a very long time. And actually, I got passionate very fast, uh, which after just one year of practicing, I immediately started to uh, be uh, uh, also trained as a yoga teacher. And then I continued on and I wanted to share this passion with other people. And so that's why I really started that. I mean, I had all my friends that had never heard or tried even yoga. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, if I can make some videos in 10 minutes, like I'm their friends, um, maybe I can get other people to enjoy this practice. Amazing. Uh, we're into yoga here as well. So I um, I actually attended uh, something with Sadhguru uh, that was two and a half years ago. And then we did this uh, meditation exercise for six months in a row, morning and evening. So we have to do it twice to complete a chakra. <laughs> 
And then, you know, we kind of lost track a little bit and then we came back to it on 1st of Jan 2020. So since 1st of Jan 2020, every single day we have been doing it without without fail, absolutely. So, yeah, we've got a couple of fans here of yoga as well. So, Senia is, is not into yoga. I don't know, Senia, you're into swimming. No, I do yoga. Actually, the funny story is last fall, I almost signed up for a class to become an instructor in uh, my local gym. And I couldn't because I got pregnant. So now I'm on a different path. Um, now I'm becoming a mother instead of a yogi. But perhaps afterwards, I can pick that back up. Yeah, it's a great um, also experience for yourself. I mean, I'm not teaching yoga anymore. Um, I only actually did it online. Um, but it's definitely a really great experience for you. I like that we're all yogis in this audience. All right. I found this quote on your LinkedIn that I want to uh, bring it up here. You said, for my cocktail dress for holiday 1819 season, I wanted to type, quote unquote, sustainable black dress somewhere, but I just couldn't find a place to do that and I have the results and have the results I needed. And that's how Renoon was born. In your own words, what is Renoon and why did you start this company? So Renoon is uh, the smartest tools uh, for, uh, for, for us. Indeed, it's what we've built to um, uh, connect users and empower them to shop sustainably from multiple websites at once. So this is a very practical way to put it, but what Renewn is, is actually a movement of people that are really uh, joining together to really make a change and shop according to their values, to their sustainability values. I really started Renewn um, because of a problem. So about two years ago, um, and I had a, already a, a started an ex- successful career in fashion, but I realized in my personal life that I had made all of these changes, you know, um, from food or uh, the ways I was consuming other things. And one day I needed a dress and I basically spent a month and a half indeed trying to find it. Um, and this problem really led me to, to see and, and start to question why is there, isn't there something out there that can really facilitate um, this um, way for us as consumers to really put the values that we really believe in into action and really like continue um, and really bring those values alive with the things that we buy and own or not own. So really, uh, indeed, Renewn started because of this. And as many other startups, it's still so important uh, to to restart with a problem and a burning problem. Um, so the first thing that I did actually was actually check that other people had this problem as well. And uh, again, the problem is linked to the fact that it's uh, very time consuming. Uh, it takes um, uh, uh, really like literally so much time to research online. So you would Google, you would start finding articles saying these are 10 brands and then you would find the brands and you have to find if they have the products that actually you like or that they fit you. Um, and then, so it's a very complex process. Uh, and in the end, also, you don't have uh, the peace of mind or that uh, way to actually check whether um, what is being said to you is true, but at the same time, also uh, fully understand it because every brand then communicates in a different way. Every retailer communicates in a different way. So what we were doing, we are doing, we're really aggregating that offering and bringing together that fragmented market that it's out there when it comes to sustainability and fashion. I agree with that. It's a very fragmented market. So 
even in you know let, let, this is this is like we're talking sustainability here so every different brands have different meanings of sustainabilities i guess and and some sometimes some definitions differ so how do you qualify these brands to be off the level where you would like to include them uh, mm-hmm. or aggregate or you know or, or direct your your audience to these uh, sellers or resellers how do you is there a process in place considering you know you have sellers in different countries across the globe etc yeah so what we do is uh, we have a sustainability framework that we actually publish every quarter so much more frequently than any other company because it, uh, what also how we stay in touch and we also keep communicating both with our consumers but also uh, our industry partners so our framework is really based on first of all uh, technology so we use technology to actually uh, process all the data and we actually are the first product that um, and platform that really goes at the product level so it's not only about the brand, but exactly that single item. What is that item um, uh, doing? What qualities are there? And really give them indeed these attributes that make this item an item valuable. Um, because again, uh, sustainability is a very broad and complex terms. And what we actually have noticed is that not only from qualitative, but also quantitative uh, research, uh, and data, I mean, from the start, and Renault started just last year in 2020, we've processed more than 3 million products uh, from all our different pro- platforms. Um, and what we really saw is that with this data-driven way, we can really uh, see what actually is out there and really bring in the creme de la creme uh, of the products that are indeed out there. So our framework has a basis of that. So it's the product really and have that um, filtering that uh, it's linked to that. What we do at the brand level is that we have different criteria for which we assign values to our brands. We select, first of all, and um, that is like our core to select brands that have sustainability at heart and they were born with sustainability at heart. Although what we do is, because also what we believe in is that there needs to be a transition throughout the whole market, is that we take also the collections of brands that are transforming or starting out, the collections that are really um, uh, great, uh, that are made in, 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 in a way that really uh, can match our sustainability framework. Um, and then we transparently say what that brand is doing in terms of sustainability. So we do also have brands that are starting out uh, that have maybe uh, one collection um, and that they're really um, also there. Um, having worked in fashion, I really saw how it is, how important it is, is that if we want to make this transition to really get the entire industry on board and especially those big brands, because those also have the power and the volumes and the actual possibility to even have also bigger impact Although there's this piece missing between the brands, the retailers and the consumer because the consumer is completely left out alone. And so there's this miscommunication because in some way, sometimes what a brand can do might also come across as greenwashing. Um, and at the same time, maybe something that it's really valuable, um, even from a brand that it's maybe not well known for its sustainability it doesn't come across because of the online, because we have a six second time span as, as people now that are online. 
So um, yeah, it's really about bringing back that value. And how do we do it? We have a, a system in place of five areas of impact through which uh, a consumer can choose to really have an impact. And then what we do um, is that we onboard the, the user um, through different ways. Uh, and in total, we have more than 30 uh, sustainability values that are inside this five areas of impact. They go for environmental protection, human well-being, animal ethics, innovation and technology, and water consumption, through which we put inside also a made-to-order, slow fashion, so brands that are really taking it instead of doing uh, 50 collections a year, um, they do only two and or even one. Mm-hmm. And so we then let the consumer say, tell us, okay, what is really important to them? What can they not shop without? And then we match them with brands that actually fulfill that need. Because again, sustainability is very complex. It's about values. It's about, as consumers, is a whole way of how we view the world as well, because it's also tied to culture. Um, like, again, I'm, I'm Italian. So in our Italian culture, we're so tied to leather, for example. Yeah. So it's very hard to tell a, a consumer in Italy, um, you should buy vegan uh, products. Um, and at the same time, I'm actually here, have been living in the Netherlands for almost the, the past five years. And uh, here people are, okay, um, they want to try new things. And there's a big movement of people that are vegan. Um, so again, there's a different ways you can have impact. There still needs to be an objective and data-driven, technology-driven way to select the products which we have as a basis, but then it's a personalization that goes on another level. So um, again, also we're building a community of actually people. So it's not only Renewon that tells you what you should buy or buy not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a whole uh, accountability system that we want to build for for the whole industry with actually people everywhere. I say I actually did sign in, uh, sign up for it. So I had to choose the values. And on the face of it, I, I chose most of them, I think, because I, I could relate myself with most things. Yeah. So like I was telling you, I want to share this personally. So uh, so uh, me and my wife decided to go vegan first uh, of uh, January 2020. So when we decided, OK, we will do this every day, this meditation practice alongside we stopped eating all meat altogether and uh I think there's been some breakages here and there in terms of having milky products, cheese or something, but we, we you know, 90% of the time is a vegan. So we could say that barring yeah. not pizza. So that's, that's how we normally operate. So. And this how, how sustainability should be. It's, it's not about anymore. Um, we're in a, in a moment now um, in, in, in time where we, we can't do with a, a small group of people doing it perfectly, but everyone needs to get involved. I really made um, sustainability need to feel personal and something that people, everyone can relate to and, and really start doing. Yeah. Yeah. Also <laughs> putting it on the record. So uh, yeah. So, you know, we were reading this uh, book by Marie Kondo about, you know, feeling good and all those things. So we decided to do our wardrobe and, we got rid of a lot of the stuff and we said thank you to all the clothes. And and since then, we are very selective in what we buy nowadays. So uh, some brands, we didn't think of sustainability, but in general, we thought we should buy less clothes. Only when we retire some clothes, we replace them, not just buy for, for the sake of buying. I'm making this podcast about me, so I'm going to shut myself up 
completely here. <laughs> so, yeah, you can go next on the next one. So yeah, okay. I'm just excited to hear all these things. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, encourage. I will encourage my family to use your website. Definitely, yeah, something I I can relate with. So okay, great. So. Iris, you are a successful entrepreneur. You're on the Italian Forbes list under 30. What is your secret? Can you share your journey with us? Um, that's a very interesting question. Um, I don't think there is a secret in, in actually doing things. I, I think the most important thing is to start. And it's the hardest thing. Um, because sometimes we're so tied to what we're doing. And, and maybe uh, somebody like, like me had a, a very nice and fulfilling job uh, that you really enjoy doing. And then you have suddenly um, this burning thing but uh, that you can't stop thinking about. And uh, you really want to go and build. And that was, I think, the initial step. And, and then after that, it comes a, a part where you need to be consistent. So it's about consistency. It's about uh, basically being there every day, day in, day out, and, uh, and and really building it, setting yourself milestones that you reach. Because again, Rome wasn't built in a day. And so it's really important to to also keep yourself, the, the people are in, around you, the team, really motivated because you can get that big thing that you want to build and put it down into small chunks that uh, and the milestones really that you reach um, a step by step. Interesting. Um, I want to go a little bit technical on this. So uh, you did you have mentioned a few times the data driven approach that you have taken to the product, and I can see that as soon as a consumer lands on on your platform, you have to make some choices, and obviously there is some data algorithm that's matching you know the buyer with with the with the seller. So when you went about you know, when you had this plan, the idea, you, you went on to build a product. So in terms of building this product, what was your approach? Um, knowing, did you know that you would have to work with data here or or was it something you kind of, you know, learned along the way? How, how was the initial idea? You know, how, how did the seed germinate? So how, how every, um, I, I think everything that when you build something, you it's important that you start from a problem. Um, the second thing, it's, it's, it's really starting out and thinking a little bit high level what the solution might be. So again, um, our product wasn't uh, the product uh, that we have now from day one and from the first time that I experienced the problem. So it took a little bit of while to form the initial um, way, but I and together with the first co-founder that I actually went to and, and spoke about my problem, he got really excited and said, yes, let's do this. Let's try to see like what is it that we can build. And I think what happened there is that we immediately said, okay, like how, how, how do we want to solve it? Do we want to create another brand? Because actually that's where we started. Like, do we want to create another brand? Say no, um, because also there... Like there's plenty enough brands. Like we looked uh, all over the place and there are like so many brands. Um, second, do we want to build another shop? Uh, again, no, because we we saw that um, also other online e-commerce places or marketplaces on the mere sense of, the, of, of this um, um, concept are already out there. Um, but what we want to build, we want to build a tool. We want to build a product uh, that can actually uh, fulfill this and how and what this product is. It's actually a digital product, so we need a technical person. And so, yeah, we immediately went to that technical person. And I have to say that 
we had we did have within the first three months of having the problem we did have the idea and actually already um, a vision an initial vision to what Renewed would be and the things that happen then next is either um, you know confirming some of the of these ideas and others because you might have different hypotheses right and then you go test them and see what it would be and then the solution starts taking place and I think that it's something that it's uh, we're we're on a process still um, so also it really depends also on what you're building but for us it's now like finding the right mix and finding the right components to really like to to your product because it's such a in a way it's such a a, a real problem that people have that we all have that we want to you know uh, consume better do good um, but at the same time you know uh, don't spend a month and a half to just find something research uh, uh, to research um, and really actually have a, a very enjoyable experience um, and so it, but the, the problem, like that, the solution, it's uh, it's quite difficult, and so you need to uh, sort of capture uh, the complexity of it, uh, but at the same time, then make it simple for people. So that then simplifying it, it's also a very uh, important task. Thanks for sharing that. So their renowned platform is today is is different to where it was at the beginning. I guess you have made That's some strides. So. Uh, so the initial prototype or let's say the the minimum viable product that you did was it done cheap and dirty in in a very quick time to test the market or did you test the market with something that was a non-functional prototype and then you saw that okay there's validation so let's build the product properly so was it cheap and dirty or or a balance of you know the Mm -hmm. sustainable approach let's say this question is something that I think um, hunts a little bit us, our founders, um, uh, hunts us down every time because it's always like a, indeed um, a, a balance that you need to find because as a startup, you need to get to the next step. And if you don't get to the next step because you're thinking, um, I'm going to build the next billion company you know, in, in a month. Uh, and so I'm thinking of investing long-term at, with things that probably I won't even see or um, live to see, um, then also there it, it's not probably the right decision to do. Um, so it's a little bit of a balance um, again, and um, I think finding the, uh, the the sweet spot. So for us, for these exact um, my exact uh, experience, what we did is that the first thing we built it was indeed totally a, a super quick and dirty. Um, prototype that we did um it was a page uh it was a landing page uh, for people to go and and see and that was really to understand if uh the other people had a problem then we evolved from that and we created another more complex prototype where we started having some products in there um and people would click and actually be able to be redirected we didn't have any partner, so actually everything was a little bit like fake in that sense. And then we evolved and evolved and, um, you know, built step by step. I think it's still important to do it step by step. And so it really depends uh, because, again, like maybe um, from the idea you get the funding, uh, which it's it's kind of it's not really like normally how it works, but uh, you need to show anyways that you can 
execute uh, and be able to, you know, build something with the resources that you have. And so with the resources that you have, especially at the beginning, you're never going to build something amazing. So you really need to start with what you have and make it work to get to the next stage. I think we briefly talked about the team members of Renewed. Could you tell us more about the founding team and how did you come up with the name Renewed? Yeah, so team, of course, is the number one important thing when you're building something. Um, and um, it's not something to, to because really with the, with the initial people that you rebuilt the company, uh, you're going to share everything because also the startup becomes your life and uh, both on a, on a work experience, but also as a fit with the founders. And to us, it was it happened quite naturally in the sense that uh, with the first founder, uh, Gabriele, we were actually uh, working at PBH. Um, uh, it's the mother company of Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein. And we were working in, in, in data and technology there. Um, and we sort of had already worked together. And so we were both passionate about this. So that's how we started. And with our passion, we brought on board another person who... We, I mean, we spent a bit of time, especially myself, going to events and trying to find a co-founder, a CTO. And then it ended up being in the same place where I live. Um, it's in the same uh, um, uh, block of apartments. Um, and this person is just naturally like, uh, he felt drawn by what we were trying to build because he's passionate about sustainability. And he was actually perfect because he had the skills that we were actually looking for which is a backend. And uh, what we do, it's indeed data first. And so that's how we uh, got the third. And our fourth co-founder, again, was very natural in the sense that um, by putting it out there, telling to our friends, because also, again, um, this is something maybe some founders, when they have an idea, they keep it for themselves that um, until like, you know, there is a product or something to announce to the world. Uh, but it's really important to talk to the people that you actually know uh, and share that. Because again, you might never know you're going to find a, a, another co-founder or you're going to find somebody that would, will help you. And so that that's what happened to us. We um, we found the other co-founder. We were missing really like a, um, a sales and commercial driven person. Um, and that's how we uh, found Piero, who joined the team. Um, and we cover literally all the different aspects and mo- most important aspects of the business which really also for us make us really strong because we know that in any ways as the core founding team, we have all that we need. And again, we're a very functioning team also in terms of personalities. And um, in a way, it it feels like it's luck, but in the end it's not because it's, again, because it happens so natural is that it's sort of like the pieces of the puzzle, like we're fitting because it happens so naturally. And so to us, that that personal fit was um, something that happened. So, uh, for example, I'm a very uh, determined and um, uh, strong personality in that sense. Um, then uh, we have uh, Nico, who's our developer, so he's very introvert, um, and actually he he can take like you know down and sort of think of problems in another in a completely different way than I do. Um, and then we have Gabriele, who is like he's very analytical, but he's also very very strategic. So he brings that a little bit, very big picture view into the team. And again, Piero, who is uh, very, uh, he's like the most positive person in the world. And so it brings in that that aspect of um, also being extrovert and very lively in the team, which I think it's it's super, super important. 
uh, and that that really brings the the whole team to 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 stick together and um, actually have also fun because that's also really important um, when you're building a startup. Understand that, yeah. Uh, we we hear a similar um, kind of theme from a lot of the entrepreneurs that we speak with. So completely, I, I, I don't think I can say I completely agree, but this sounds like you know the ideal kind of uh, things that have to happen for for a startup to grow on to becoming a successful business. Now, segueing into the next part, I'd, I'd love to understand. Uh, what's next for Renoon? Where where is the Renoon heading uh, in the next two or three years? Or are, are you are you planning long into the future? Or uh, yeah. not sure how you approach it now that I understand a bit more about you as a person. Yeah, so we're planning the next five years, and um, we definitely are. Uh, this year, we're really focused on uh, product and uh, really our core users. Um, building the, the the whole platform further, like really putting strong bases to it. Uh, we just actually uh, closed our first pre-seed round. Um, we have important uh, key um, uh, veterans from the industry. So, for example, the ex-CIO of Gucci, the ex-CTO of Uxnel Porte, some people, ex-people from Spotify, and all this uh, people actually are in- investing their uh, much more than their monetary resources. Um, in, in what we're building again, because of the the also product and the mission that we have, um, and so this was for us like very important initial step, like really bring on board uh, not only money but smart money, and uh, yeah, we we were we actually uh, uh, raised more than we uh, wanted to in this first pre seed round, so which was really um, a great success for us. Um, Uh, hard work, but really uh, great uh, success uh, for the team. Um, now, what's next to us? It's uh, again once we finalize uh, this initial part of uh, our plan for the platform, then we have internationalization. Um, so we have a very digital and scalable product in that sense because we don't handle stock, we handle data. Yeah. So when the user finds what they're looking for, they're redirected to um, our partners. So we partner with multiple websites that can be like directly the brands, but it can be also uh, multi-brand platforms. Um, so we really scram uh, the whole web when it comes to this different uh, uh, partners and uh, also with secondhand and, and rental actually. We have those different types of consumption models uh, that enters the circular economy. So literally um, what we really see is that uh, we can uh, indeed uh, move quickly to to go to other markets, especially markets that um, are really specific into um, uh, first, like starting with uh, bigger uh, markets that can really also help us um, build a, a very strong infrastructure and then localizing for more. And uh, again, I think now we're, so what we're doing is we're very, very focused on really our core product. Um, but what we also want to do in the future is really put the data Um, that we have that we're really gathering throughout the whole industry to help also the industry with data driven in a data driven approach um, because also again the industry now currently is moving with what they have and there isn't um, appropriate data also sometimes to take the correct decisions and really um, bridge the gap between the, the consumer and the brands 
Iris, I want to give a chance to our audience to learn about you as a person. It seems like you are very good at managing your time and getting work done. Could you describe to us your typical day? Yeah, so with COVID, of course, um, there's uh, the, the variety really comes with the different meetings that you have. So normally I really start my day um, uh, quite early, I have to say, around uh, 7, uh, 7.30ish. Um, I, every uh, now and then I start with a little bit of a workout as well. And uh, then I get to my laptop and I actually immediately start with emails. That's like the first thing a little bit I do. Um, and then, um, I get to like the most important thing that I have to do during the day so that you can get that over with and then, um, really keep the chill things a little bit for the evening. I'm a kind of a person that actually really uh, focuses uh, throughout the whole um, day Um, and yeah actually it's also something that it was really important to me when I started my career uh, to really also uh, select workplaces that would actually transfer to me not only knowledge but also the 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 method to really uh, have that work ethic Um, and I think it's so important uh, to form yourself and to really build the discipline when you're really doing something because again it's it's planning but also a lot of discipline so every day like really uh, put goals to yourself of what do you want to do by the end of the day and really really get those uh, done Um, I think it's also important um, at the beginning uh, when you're a startup to uh, I think a lot of people also say to say no and to focus which I still think it's important but at the same time keep a little bit more open because you never know that extra meeting that it's going to bring you something that you didn't account for so um, again I would say those are the the key elements uh, for for my day and definitely I think the the, the best takeaway is to uh, to find a little bit what works for you also as a person like to me, it's like completely different from my co-founders. For example, we have a completely different routine among uh, each other. But that's also, I think, the, the the beauty of it. I love that. You mentioned it uh, slightly, you know, about advice that you would, you know, wish you knew in the beginning of your career. If you could just maybe summarize it in a sentence or two for someone who is maybe starting out or fresh out of college who, who's interested in starting their own business, what advice would you give them? I would definitely say... Uh, totally to uh, um, schedule your days. So make sure that you have in uh, different things that you want to get done every day um, and really like measure that. And uh, again, it's, it's also important to probably if you're really starting out to maybe be in a place where you're surrounded by other people that can also be part of also the way you, you're working. Um, again, I think it's it's still important to to measure yourself with with yourself, but also sometimes, if especially when you're starting out and you're coming from um, a, a totally different uh, environment, which is school or university, it's it's something completely different. And you're especially also when you're in a startup, you're confronted with basically the whole market, and so it doesn't matter sometimes the, the hours that you put is like the outcome that you need to achieve because the market in that sense. It's very hard. Like you, it doesn't it doesn't care if you put ten hours, twenty hours, a hundred hours. What cares is that your the user care that you're doing the job for them, and yeah, you're providing uh, a really good service. 
I really like what you said there. Compare yourself to yourself because I think, you know, the yesterday you can be better and you just compare yourself and moving on and learning and just becoming a better version of yourself every day. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So Iris, we've come to the final part of our podcast and, you know, this is where questions can be slightly trickier. I can say, if I can say that. So I think you've had a short career so far, fairly successful, very successful, you know, if you look at it. So what, what would you say are the most important attributes of a successful entrepreneur or a leader today? That's also a very indeed hard question because, again, I don't think there's um, a specific set of, of qualities. And I think if we would really box somebody uh, into those different aspects, it would still, we would end up into the, the problems that actually we have today because we do have uh, some problems today, which is also the inequality of where also the, 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 the funding uh, goes to. Um, I mean, also this year, the, the founding of female-founded startups also went down uh, uh, compared to last year. So I, I would say that um, apart from like these different qualities, it's it's more like not just a quality in itself, but really um, a seeing when someone is completely passionate about, about what they're doing. I think that's, I think, the, the, the key thing. So uh, it's not something that a person, I think everyone can have. So really having that passion for something. Um, and I think that's it's the game changer because also with us founders, it's really what gets you every day to to be so thrilled of what you're going to build because it's what you can't stop thinking about because it's literally like your passion. Yeah. Um, I heard somewhere, no passion, no point. So yeah, indeed. If you are doing something, you better feel some, you know, something about it. Otherwise, um, chances are you're not going to succeed. So with that, I think we have come to the end of the questions that we had in mind. So as the ending note, I think we, uh, I want to thank you personally, Iris, for coming to, to our, you know, guest series that we're doing on, um, entrepreneurs like yourselves. Uh, pleasure to have you. I think you're very honest on this, uh, on this episode and we really enjoy talking to you. Senia, do you have any notes to share? Um, Iris, you're a passionate, successful, intelligent entrepreneur. We wish you the best of luck in your business and future ventures. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. A special thanks to our podcast guests this week and once again to our sponsor, Sphere Partners, for bringing this episode to life. If you enjoyed this episode, drop SphereCast a five-star review on iTunes and share this content with your network. For any relevant links or notes from this episode, check out our podcast website at www.sphereinc.com forward slash SphereCast. And always remember, when you think you can't, technology can. See you next time.